0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. I am super excited to bring you today's guest, guys. Um, In this today's episode, you know, in the past, when I have talked about um, things related to COVID, be it, you know, the, the lockdowns or different policies, but most especially related to Vaccination, COVID vaccination. I have danced around a lot of the time. I've danced around specifically talking about it because, um, you know, due to different censorships on different platforms, um, mostly YouTube, I have not been as direct. I have self-censored myself at points in time. Other times I haven't. This episode today, there will be no self censorship. My guest will not be censoring himself in any way whatsoever. Today's episode will not be on YouTube. We're not going to try to to do that dance and try to try to sneak uh, sneak by. Um, we already have our problems with YouTube. We have you know perpetually two strikes always on YouTube, so we can't monetize, can't do any of that stuff. But if you want to watch this episode, which if you're listening to it now on a podcast form, you're probably not going to want to watch it, but maybe someone you share it with will want to watch it. Um, I just want to let you know it'll be on our Rumble channel and also on Odyssey. And also this is a good time to to share with you to please go ahead and, you know, follow us on Rumble and Odyssey. We are working on building up those, uh, those platforms for lines of Liberty on YouTube. We have like almost 7,000 subscribers but we're, you know, we're shadow banned. Everything's uh, all of our uh, videos we post are, are throttled. Uh, we can't do super chats. We can't monetize. So screw YouTube. Go support um, Rumble and Odyssey. And just one more note before I get to today's guest. I just want to say that. If you really are looking for a way to, to, uh, to support our show, if you've been listening for a long time, a great way to do it is by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. You can do so by going to patreon.com slash lions of liberty or lions of liberty.locals.com. We are so grateful for all of our Lions Pride members and new just last week a bonus for our. Patrons at the ten dollar and up level, um, you get a fifteen percent discount on Run Your Mouth Coffee. Run Your Mouth Coffee is a company founded by myself and my friend Ben Panji, where we seek to bring you fresh roasted coffee and also uncensored speech. We obviously are big supporters of uncensored speech and uh, all of that good stuff. So check that out. And with that being said, guys, let's get to today's interview with Doctor Richard. Urso, okay. We are live to the Lions of Liberty Pride, and today have a very special episode with you. I've been trying to set this up for a while. Um, we're going to be speaking with Doctor Richard Urso. He's a scientist, the sole inventor of an FDA-approved wound healing drug, and the former director of orbital oncology at M- at uh, MD Anderson Cancer Center. He's also the founder of globe of the Global COVID Summit which has 18,000 doctors around the world. Uh, he believes we cannot use a one-size-fits-all approach to fighting COVID. And today we're going to be talking about the COVID jab. We're going to be talking about the explosion of, of cancer and latent disease around that, risk factors associated with it. Um, and we're not going not gonna to be censoring ourselves. This is not going to air on YouTube, uh, obviously. So we'll just get right into it. Dr. Urso, thank you so much for coming
1: on Finding Freedom. Uh, John, thanks so much for having me. Look forward to talking. There's so much to talk about, so much to unwrap. Um, thankfully, the censorship has eased up on Twitter, and it feels like we have a breath of fresh air uh, to have some place to go online and talk and, and not be censored. Um, it's kind of interesting because I spoke on Twitter and a small podcast the other day, and I found myself in the Washington Post um, saying that uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson and Dr. Richard Urso are spreading mis- COVID misinformation, and I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. Like, I I get a singled out out of all the physicians and scientists in the country and um, the Washington Post now. So I guess I must be making some headway.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's funny how how relevant is the Washington Post anymore? You know, I mean, <laughs>
1: well, for <laughs> misinformation, is very relevant.
0: Yeah, but I, how many people actually? care about their their opinion on that right i i don't know yeah. anymore Th- things have really really shifted here in the past couple of years but yeah we do have twitter as an outlet and i forgot i am streaming this to twitter as well normally i don't do that um but because of the content of this episode we are currently um streaming to twitter on our lions of liberty network page so hopefully yeah you should have told people- me i
1: could have gotten yeah i could have gotten a lot of p yeah, i should have i could have posted it on my on my account there would be a lot of yeah yeah. We can
0: still, we can still re- retweet it and, and send it out and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'll do
1: that. I'll do that. Thanks. But Before we get to um, that, yeah, um,
0: just I was just going to ask if you can give my audience just a I – mean, I know I gave your background, but if you can just talk a little bit about yourself, um, what really drew you into medicine and, uh, and, and some background on yourself.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, well, for the most part, I don't know when I didn't feel like a doctor. I don't know when it was I was talking to somebody – um, about it. And I was saying the other day, I said, you know, I was really into chess um, at about age seven, eight, nine, Bobby Fisher's books. I used to beat my brother and a bunch of adults. And, and at some point around age 11, I thought this isn't that fun. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to cure heart disease. And I got into this whole thing about cholesterol. So I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, I've been a doctor since I was like 11 or so. And then with the COVID system, Um, when it came about this whole uh, thing was basically, I don't watch regular media. I don't have TV. um, So I'm kind of oblivious to what most people are hearing. And so I just went about my own way with our team here in Houston. There's a lot of great people um, that are doctors and scientists that we did drug design with February. We started looking at this and then thought, Hey, it's not going to be that hard. Uh, Came up with the, you know, you said about the one size fits all always never doesn't work in medicine. Almost never. That's, it's an almost never, right? So that, that's why I don't agree with the one-size-fits-all because it's almost impossible to make that work. But it became very obvious that we use the same thing we use for cancer uh, cells and, and viruses are a multi-pronged approach. It's just the way you approach them because they're very easily mutatable. And so they, that to any treatment you do, they're oftentimes going to mutate. So it became obvious that we had to do a multi-drug cocktail coming out from multiple angles There were different stages of the disease. We had to treat the different stages a little differently. And that's just medicine. And we all just put our heads down and did that work. I treated my first patient March 12th. I came out and found a a really good success. Um, I reached out to a bunch of people I know in industry. Um, They all told me that they had to be quiet. There's something different. I don't know what's going on. And that's where I became a little bit like, oh, wow, I don't understand what's going on with the messaging and media. Um, and And I think at that point, you know, I kind of, in a sense, I got a little scared for a day or so. Like when I, when I put something online, it went kind of viral. And then I had a lot of attacks and stuff and I was a little bit shook up for a second, but then I, 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 I was talking with Robert Malone yesterday and I, and I, and Robert said, well, what do you think about all the attacks? And I said, well, i look at it this way. So <laughs> sound kind of funny. I go, well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, my whole life, I've been the upper dog. And so people attack me sometimes. I don't worry about it. I mean, I don't, I don't think about it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's part of the, you know, it goes with, the, with who you are, you know. So I don't mind if people do. And, and, and in the science realm, nobody really ever picked on me per se because they, they, they were challenging me. You know, it was more of a challenge, like, okay, well, no, this is the right way to do it. But I think, you know, this is a paradigm shift almost in our, in our approach to pandemics. And that paradigm shift was intentionally bad it should have never been been done. So that's how I got involved. They just the paradigm shift made no sense. They were saying things that have never been true as if they were true, and they're still doing it. They're still telling people to get a vaccine that doesn't work and is actually yeah. creating the mutations. And I saw on Yahoo today, they put out a paper somebody sent it to me that says, "Don't believe the people who said that the vaccines are actually causing mutations. They absolutely 100% are causing the the shifts in the mutational um, arrangements of these viruses because it's a very one small attack on only a less than 10% of the virus. So when you only attack it from a small angle, this is the kind of results you get. You get you know, leaky vaccines that don't work, don't stop infection, um, don't stop transmission, um, and create uh, mutations that are kicking the can down the road, and so on and so on. So that's just kind of a rough idea of how I got started here.
0: So just just to dig into that a little bit, um, you, you talked about you know really you know a, a top-down approach not really normally working in medicine or a one-size-fits-all approach not only working in medicine. What? Why do you think with COVID all of a sudden we had to have this one-size-fits-all vaccine approach? Where, 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 so, do, you th- where do you think the, that came from?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you kind of got to get, get into people's heads, but it clearly was financially rewarding to many people. Um, The agencies have been bought out by pharma, farmers in control of our agencies. End of story. I mean, that's just, and when I say that, I'm not saying that lightly. I'm saying they're paying the bills. And so when somebody pays the bills, they expect results. And that's what's happened. So we have, they got away with fraudulent studies, you know, for people who don't know, the original Pfizer studies, Peter Doshi did great work on it um, and found 183% more serious adverse events in the vaccinated and that originally study that they said was 95% effective so they fraudulently presented the data it's been a fraud at the beginning the pr- the approach was fraudulent the 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 vaccine rollout's been fraudulent they put fake studies like the lancet study with the lancet study was done by the harvard head of cardiovascular who ne- about 93,000 patients of which she saw none um, mm. and actually which didn't exist so i mean the, the, the when you look at what was happening institutions like Harvard were involved, the Lancet were involved, the agencies were involved. You look and see what you know what's happened. They were involved in creating misinformation, or might I say, it's the, by the quotes, disinformation. Specifically, misinforming people is, now I think they call it disinformation, the Department of Homeland Security. You've got all our agencies, our FBI, and all these other people that, do you really trust them? I mean, I, I find it hard that I'm having this conversation, but... You know, because five years ago I would have I would have never been talking like this, never. Even though I knew, yeah. of course, there's some corruption in the world. I mean, that's just that's normal. But you know, if you go to a restaurant in New York and you, and you don't want to wait two hours, well, you pull out a fifty or hundred dollar bill, and and then you know it's not corruption, but it's like that's how the world works sometimes. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I felt like I didn't think it was this bad.
0: Yeah. Well, my uh, my father always says money doesn't talk; it screams. So, uh, if it's a fifty dollar <laughs> bill when you're going out to dinner, or if it's you know when you get up to the, the higher levels of government and, and paying off uh, pharmaceutical companies, paying off politicians in the FDA, it's all the same. Um, so, I, I want to talk specifically about you know really your expertise around this and what what you've seen um, in in your practice. What kinds of um, Disease and impacts have you seen your patients come in with due to COVID vaccination?
1: So, you know the the, so just I'll give a circle back to it in a second. We give it thirty second kind of thing. So I treated about twenty nine hundred COVID patients, and early on it was obvious that there was a lung inflammatory disease and a big, big role for for blood clotting. Big role, unusual for this kind of a respiratory virus. The usual respiratory viruses don't do it. Ebola does it, but most of these don't. And and so there was a big role for that. And also respiratory demise, a lot of the asthma meds. So so my 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 first big foray was the drug design side, which is basically uh, I've been involved in a, in a lot of different projects, and, and one of them I individually patented. So um, you know, basically I, I, that was where my strength was. But I worked with lipid nanoparticles. So let's get to the vaccine. So one of the problems. With lipid nanoparticles, first of all, they're super inflammatory. They're not, they're made with polyethylene glycol. The body actually, when you use them, decreases the interferon response just from lipid nanoparticles. It decreases the cellular response of natural killer cells, cytotoxic T cells, macrophages. So you get a down regulation of the immune system just from lipid nanoparticles, right? The other thing is they distribute all over. So when somebody says to you, it's staying in your arm, I knew it was, it was a complete lie. Um, the time I was a little bit curious that maybe they had some proprietary ke- technology that maybe sort of kept it in the arm, but I, I you know, I, I never, I, I, I didn't speak out super strong about that. I talked about some of the other uh, immune tolerance and antibody dependent enhancement issues, which I knew were already well known for single stranded RNA viruses. So there was a lot to talk about about surrounding the vaccine as maybe being a problem, and we're seeing it right. So the big issues are a multitude of issues, but it centers at first on distribution. It's widely distributed in the body. That's why you see a multitude of problems. It's going to the brain. It's going to the heart. It's going to the ovaries, the adrenals. It's going to the bone marrow. It's going to places viruses don't. So that's number one. Number two is we're making a ton of foreign protein. It doesn't shut down production for two months or more in many patients. Now, if you were making an inborn error metabolism, right? and um, uh, uh, you were trying to make a drug for that, it'd be great. It distribute, you know, this would be a protein you need it. It would distribute widely and it'd be made for 2 months. So you get a shot every mm-hmm. 2 months. It might be pretty cool. But we're talking about a foreign protein. And this foreign protein was built like a Sherman tank. And I'm going to run through it. Has That's an right. ACE2 receptor never before seen on a coronavirus. Has a TMPRSS2 serine protease never before seen on a, on a coronavirus. It has an NRP1, never before seen on a coronavirus. It helps to get it in the brain. It has a uh, GP120 fragment from HIV. It's never before seen on a coronavirus. It does this unique thing of splitting the S1 and S2. The S1 gets into the nucleus and down-regulates um, P53 to the guardian of the genome and BRCA. That means tumor, you know, you talked about tumors. That's why we have a tumor up- uptake. Uh, in in cases because it's downregulating our tumor our our tumor um, uh, DNA damage repair so we are seeing these happen and then on top of that immune viral surveillance is disturbed because of the effects on toll like receptors you and I have almost the same exact toll like receptors they're pattern receptors that help our body's immune system recognize viruses and other pathogens mm-hmm. and they are being disturbed so now we have a, a huge amount a doubling of shingles a doubling of bell's palsy these are all documented the shingles is documented several million patients study um wow. and you know so we're seeing big numbers of things that i all said it's not it's not speculation it's just i just gave everybody facts right there we're seeing. What, what, uh, just, it,
0: just curious there, because it, it, it's interesting. We're not we're not hearing any of that stuff in the media. But I'm just curious when, when you go to you know doctors' conferences or, or you're talking to colleagues, is, is this something that that you all are talking about that, that you're seeing this?
1: <laughs> we talk every single day, and like mm-hmm. like we'll go on we'll go on today and and talk about um, the EKG changes that they showed in high school students. And so somebody called me and said, texted me and said. Well, it's only zero point one percent, and so I said, okay. So let's talk about that from 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 twelve to eighteen. I think there's twenty eight million kids, right? So so that means, um, you know, so it's basically one in fu- one one in a thousand. 0.1 per zero mm-hmm. point per, per, per one percent is one in a thousand. Right. So do the do the math on that. So if we vaccinated all the kids from twelve to eighteen it's roughly i think 25 million or so so do the math you know one so that means two at least you know 5000 kids would have myocarditis you know something like that so mm-hmm. so in general we would have we would treat let's say the vaccine were perfect what's the infection fatality rate from <laughs> oh sorry i have covid um, what's the infection fatality rate <laughs> from uh, from 12 to 18 it's roughly 0.2 per hundred for hundred thousand or one per 500,000. So you're going to vaccinate, you know, 25 million kids roughly and maybe save, you know, do the math on that. You're going to save not very many. You're going to save 50, but you're going to give, you know, 5,000 myocarditis. You're going to give not only myocarditis, you're going to decrease it. All the males, you're going to decrease the sperm counts by 35% for each time you get a shot. And it supposedly covers for all the females Huge amount of ace 2 receptors in their ovaries, highly concentrates in the ovaries. It's definitely going to cause inflammation. Is it going to cause infertility? I can't say. All I can say is in all the places where they're 80% vaccinated, there's an eight to ten percent decrease in fertility this year. That's just mm-hmm. data. Is it is it is it mean it's from the vaccine? I, I don't know, but I'm sure worried about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's so many things to unpack, and we unpack them all the time and try to basically make the links so that we can tell people, it absolutely is true, or it sure looks to be causally related. So,
0: what what about other diseases like uh, like cancer in people who, who have been jabbed? Is is it is it? Has, have you seen any increase in likelihood for cancer to return, or for you know for for cancer to to occur with with the jab?
1: I have seen it an- anecdotally in my practice. All right. Mm-hmm. The mechanisms are there. So as I said, it's it's impairing DNA damage repair. There's often mutations going on all the time in our body with cells. And that can get repaired. There's repair mechanisms kind of come in and patch it like a patch in a tire. All right. So that's being disrupted. So this is why we're seeing this huge amount of upticks in cancers. I've seen people in my practice. And after the third booster, I had three come in within the first month that had all been free, um, I can't remember, it's 10 years, 10 years, and 12 years of tumors. And their tumors came ripping back. And I was like, you got to, mm-hmm. I mean, I was shocked. I literally was shocked. It hurts my heart to see it because these are, I've, they've become friends. I mean, these patients, I'm seeing them, most of them, I've seen them twice a year, um, you know, but we talk because then they send their friends over, they bring their kids in. I mean, it's just, it's a shock because, you know, you, this is the problem when you're a data guy. Um, you know, they're, they're making it hard for us to get the data, right? But when you're in there with the patients, you feel what they feel. And, and so that's why you see practicing doctors out here talking about it and and, and, and willing to stand up because, you know, we, we, we feeling this. We're seeing it. And, and the data has supported it the whole time. I think one of the things that makes my scientific background – a little bit um, unique for me is a lot of the guys felt like they were right. They were almost sure, but not a hundred percent sure. And I think when you do it, like when you look work with lipid nanoparticles and other biologics, you understand it a lot better. And so I already knew that there was going to be problems in production because they just ramped it up. They basically made something in a fishbowl and now they took it and made it in, you know, a vat as big as a, no, not as big as a oil, oil refinery, but I mean, huge vats. Um, and now they're telling people to make a cake, basically, they've never baked a cake before of this type. So, you know, I knew they were going to be production So That's why you're starting to see, for a couple of reasons, problems after this third and fourth jabs. Because one, the production is getting better. And three, uh, I'm sorry, two, um, you're seeing that class switch, which is another big thing that people may want to hear about on this show. Um, that once you get the third and fourth jabs, you are now making immune-tolerant antibodies. What that means is if you, and this doesn't happen with the flu or tetanus, by the way, this is unique to COVID. Basically, Mm -hmm. when you get the the shots over and over, your body gets tolerant. So let's say you had bee venom. After a while, this is, we know this, right? With bee venom, we use it and we give little bits of it and we basically get tolerance so that when a bee stings us, we don't go into anaphylaxis. The problem here is you're making a foreign toxin protein that's attacking our body, and so what we're doing now is getting this class switch to the IgG4, which tolerates the virus when it attacks us and lets it um, basically um, flourish in our body. So we don't we don't actually attack it very well. Thank God, some of our T cells are are not playing along with that. So our T cells are helping some of these triple and quadruple vaccinated. But the triple and quadruple vaccinated are seriously at higher, high, much higher risk for dying from this virus right now.
0: So, is that a is that a short term or 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 long term long term concern or both? Like, for example, say if someone has been jabbed four times and they've decided they're not going to get jabbed again, as time goes by, will you know re- reactions or, or, or issues become less likely? Do you think?
1: That's a great question. So I think it's a, it's kind of a two-part answer, which you don't really know the, the answer to. We, it, me and tolerance, you know, a lot of times they keep up these little, you know, bee venom injections so you can, so your tolerance stays, you know, low, you know, so you don't you don't go you know, your immune system doesn't go into hyperdrive. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times that's going to be, that may be true that if we stay away from them long enough, you'll clear some of this. And that's what I think. I think the people who have already taken third and fourth shots, just stop taking them. And your, your body will, will right the wrong at some place. Your body's smart, you know. You know God's developed it over. And we've been in this world a long time, and we we we. If you don't challenge it with the same thing over and over and over again, you're basically making the wrong challenge to the wrong virus, and you're doing it multiple times, and you're creating immune tolerance. If you can if you can get away from that, your your body will sense right the ship. There is a little bit of a problem for people over fifty because their T cells are also being trained. And naive T-cells are not made at past about the age of 50 or thymus kind of burns out. But the answer to your question is I think we can say we don't exactly know. But my feeling is that with if you can avoid them, your body will right the ship at some point. But right now, if you're relatively recently boosted third and fourth shot, you have an immune deficiency. Um, you know, in a sense, a small case of um, acquired immune deficiency, AIDS. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's, that's crazy. Um so to, to kind of to turn here to talk about recent events, um, obviously all over the news the past two weeks about Demar Hamlin, Buffalo Bills football player, safety who um, went into cardiac cardiac arrest on the field, and remark has had a remarkable recovery, which I think everyone is extremely happy about. I think he just went home from the hospital one or two days ago. Um, we're recording this on January twelfth. For those listening later. With a case like that, I've kind of noticed initially when it happened, you saw reported that they th- they thought it was a case of, I'm probably going to say this wrong, but c- cordis, um, commotio cordis. A, commotio <laughs> cordis. Commotio cordis. That's close. Um, which is, well, I, I'll let you talk about that. You're, you're the doctor. So, what what is commotio cordis?
1: Uh, so, in young, and especially in young athletes, they start even having chest protectors for some of these 11, 12 year olds when. Thirteen-year-olds, they get hit. A ball gets hit and uh, hits the hits the child right in the chest, and it stops the heart uh, basically from the from the thump. Uh, you know, at the right time, the right beat. So basically, this is seen mostly in the younger generation. You don't usually see it in the twenties, but it's a blow to the chest that basically stops the heart. Um, and I think um, you know, uh, in 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 essence, the issues come down to differential diagnosis. That certainly has to be in there for this kid. Thank God he recovered because it makes the, makes the conversation a little more gentle and we can th- talk a little more hypothetically without, ing- you know, feeling like mm-hmm. we're creating a, news around a story that, you know, had a bad ending. I just, I, I don't like to do that. So, but but basically what I would say is the differential in diagnosis definitely includes commotion cortis, but it should also include the, the fact that he had had the vaccine. We know the vaccine causes myocarditis. We know that myocarditis creates um, uh, damage, permanent damage to the heart, which means that you're more prone to arrhythmias and heart attacks, in a sense, sudden death from heart attacks. So I think it should be in the differential diagnosis. Um, They could even, um, he was recently vaccinated. They could have easily drawn some blood and see if there's spike protein floating around. What we saw in children just recently, they just put a study out that in those children with Vaccine myocarditis. They found floating, free-floating spike antibodies in those children in large amounts. Um, And what I always tell everybody: the 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 messenger RNA uh, lipid nanoparticle. There's a couple things. One, the lipid nanoparticle is so good at wiggling into things, right? So it gets into the heart. That's one mechanism, right? But also, it looks like we're getting that production going on for a long period of time and some of that is ending up in the bloodstream free floating and spike protein does bind to ace2 receptors cd147 receptors um those those cause blood clots their uh, red blood cells and platelets it has multiple ways and i kind of ripped through a bunch of them of, of being able to uh cause damage in the body and we know the spike protein from the studies uh that were done <clears throat> um uh earlier about a year ago um that basically the spike protein is the main pathogen um, of COVID itself. So when people say they got COVID, they're basically in a sense getting spikes protein syndrome. It causes 95% of the damage. The, the, uh, The envelope also caused a little bit of irritation and inflammation, but the other proteins don't seem to cause a lot of damage. On the lipid nanoparticle side, on the vaccine side, the lipid nanoparticle, as I said, is causing its own little set of immune inflammatory issues with especially the T-cells, but also interferon responses. And we're seeing that um, it's also creating lots of spike protein, more so than what you get from a virus. So mm-hmm. I think in general, this kid likely, more likely had um, a, a trigger uh, with a hit to the chest, uh, already had some underlying damage, and, and that's probably the more likely thing. But it's not 100%. Nobody knows. Um, certainly studies could have been done to kind of you know elucidate whether or not um, there was one, one was more likely than the other. And I don't think we'll ever get that information.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think we'll ever, ever know um, re- really what happened there. Um, like you said, you know, first thing you said was that, that he is, you know, recovering, which is easily the most important thing.
1: Um, you know, and, and just to kind of, you know, John, just to kind of talk about this, you know, um, um, uh, JJ Watt's heart stop. You know, he had a arrhythmia. He he's retiring from football now. Mm -hmm. um there's a kid from a 38 year old you know wonderful guy um who you know died that same day um it's kind of funny because he bought into the whole the whole shebang saying even people should be arrested for not taking the vaccine yes
0: i saw that story
1: Um, so you know it's kind of a shame because you know he's you know he doesn't know he's not a scientist i mean he's he read the papers and he's trying his best and and he thought he was doing the right thing for all all of us and and that's the that's the shame of it. People like Fauci know, and the scientists know. This is not hard. This is not the, anything I'm telling you here is not. This is not science. That's hidden science. This is well known. Mm-hmm. I think I figured most of it out in about two hours.
0: Do, do you have a hard stop in three minutes, or can we go a little longer? What's your? You can go a little longer. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm curious to get your opinion just on where COVID goes from here, um, <laughs> and really how how we should be treating covid um for from 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 your perspective or maybe what you're telling people in your practice um if someone gets covid now there's really the expectation still that you know they isolate for 5 days i think the cdc says 5 days isolate then 5 days w- w- with a mask i know a lot of people that have had covid recently uh, my my mom just had it um during christmas and she's in her seventies and it was, it was like nothing. I um, mean, she has a history with, uh, w- with pneumonia. So, I mean, throughout the early stages of COVID, we were all very concerned with keeping her sheltered. Um, it, it seems like COVID has really toned down to, to being, you know, almost an inconvenience, really just a, a plans canceller. So it, it, is this what you're seeing in your practice and, and how do you advise your, your patients on, on treatment and and what to do?
1: so first of all i think there's a lot of fear still surrounding covid um it's still a lot of fear there so i think one of the things is allaying the fear um but uh there are people still dying so the average age of death is 82 most people dying have multiple comorbidities and when i say most i'm talking about 95 percent so mm-hmm. in those fragile people that have multiple comorbidities um they should be worried some you know that's um that's basically the the crew that basically um is fragile they can pass away from the flu and other viruses. We're starting to see RSV in i had a 78 um, year old with RSV. We don't usually see RSV in this population, mm-hmm. but this is part of this immune deficiency that we're seeing uh, manifesting itself with many people getting all ulti- other viruses besides COVID. What we're finding, John though, is like what I tell people is like, don't just think about COVID other viruses cause respiratory compromise and issues. And this is, this array of medicines we have works for those. Single-stranded RNA viruses are all going to be impacted by hydroxychloroquine. Many of the same viruses are impacted in the interferon responses um, that are seen with, um, with um, uh, ivermectin. Or, you know, we're seeing um, that uh, many times, we've known this for years, this is like one-on-one for virology, the inflammatory side of things is worse than the actual disease for upper, a lot of the upper respiratory, especially in like the asthmatics. And so we hit with steroids and other anti-inflammatories. So the approaches should be, um, you know, people are sick. I tend to treat them. That's what I tend to do. But if they're, you know, 20, one uh, of my, my daughters, um, she's 30 years old, and, you know, um, and I, you know she got it, um, um, I don't know, about a week ago, and um, she didn't really want anything. She said, Dad, what should I do? I said, well, you're going you're gonna to survive it. There's some thoughts that maybe if you um, let it go, um, there's this thing about what we call long COVID, but this is more fear monger. She was asking me about it. I said, what happened there was a lot of these patients were in that Delta time when they got sick, they had prolonged inflammation because it was a more severe disease. So this whole long COVID thing is more fear mongering. When you get hit by a car, when you get a bad pneumonia, when you get a bad virus, you're not going to recover in a week. That's not how it works your body will recover some of the uniqueness though of this of this technology especially the vaccine technology there's some other issues with that but from covid itself you're going to recover all right so and this is where they're kind of saying you'll see this narrative John what they're trying to do is say hey um yeah they had the vaccine but they also had covid and that's true because the vaccine makes your immune system weaker many of the people who had um, the vaccine are getting COVID too. And what they're trying to say is, oh, their symptoms are just from COVID. The vaccine kept them from dying. Like that, they, they put a spin on it is the vaccine kept them from dying. If it wasn't for the vaccine, they would have died. And now they got long COVID from COVID. You know, if only the vaccine worked a little bit better, they wouldn't have, I mean, they just throw this garbage yeah. in there. That's completely non-data driven. I don't think I answered your question, but that's, that was my riff on that.
0: I, uh, I think you did. Well, I was just curious about you know, treatment going forward. You talked about treatment in different cases. You know, if there's uh, you know uh, comorbidities involved and in, in and age, in age and whatnot. I'm curious about about masks. masks? Do mean, you see any I lo- any benefit I lo- to look, I lo- I mean. I've been
1: wearing? I've been wearing masks for years since the early mm-hmm. 80s. I worked in a lab, um, and um, and masks work, but they have to be R99, R100 mm-hmm. um, pappers. There there are masks that work. I don't know where my, my surgical my, – my, it's not here, but surgical masks don't work. N95 doesn't work. I always joke around and say N95 works like a bathing suit in the pool when you're peeing in the pool. You put two bathing suits on, three bathing suits, and that's not stopping the pee. The pee is still going to get in the pool. That's just how that works. And it literally is probably no different than that. There's a great, greatest way to thinking about it. That's mm-hmm. what's happening. It's not stopping it. And, and in fact – it's 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 pretty good for bacteria because bacteria are a lot bigger and they do glom onto um, water molecules. But these are oil capsules, so they don't glom, they don't glom onto water molecules. They 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 don't they in a sense repel water. They, that, they, that's mm. not how that works. So, and and let me say this: that's that's just me theoretically talking. All right, what does the study show? Fourteen randomized controlled trials, probably over the last twenty years, none zero zero have shown Mm -hmm. a benefit for n95 and lower mass against viruses r99 that's a benefit r100 it's a benefit so you know just because you you know think it works doesn't mean it works the data is not for it it's not there it's like another fantasy land
0: yeah it's a uh I mean with that with all the propaganda people have faced in the past you know two, three years, um it's become a, a safe haven, the mask for many to, to make them make them feel safe. Um I've I've heard it I've heard the mask referred to as the, the mega hat of of the left. And I think it almost has become a virtue signal like like that as well, which is which is unfortunate.
1: That's well uh, said. I think it really is. I but I, I actually think these it's a virtue signal, but it's also like the virtue signaling part is like forcing you to wear the mask. Some people are truly afraid and think it helps. I, yeah. I, I can live with that. I mean, I, I I gently tell them, you know, it's not that effective. There's randomized control trial. But I, I tend to not go there. I just know they're afraid. They've been bombarded with stuff. But the virtue signaling side of that is, oh, I vaccinated my four-year-old today. The data is mm-hmm. negative in that age group. Like, it's negative data. There's it's zero. When I say zero positive data... Zero. They never showed a single thing that had stopped transmission or infection in any of the studies. It wasn't even the design of the study. They didn't mm-hmm. even design the study to do that. I mean, they just, designed it to, they just designed it to measure antibodies. And as I told you, some of these antibodies are IgG4 class switch immune tolerance antibodies. I mean, it, antibodies are, are not the major um, thing in the immune system for respiratory viruses. Secretory, I'm saying IgG antibodies, secretory IgA antibodies are the main thing, right? Mm -hmm. Also, T-cells, cytotoxic T-cells, natural killer cells, and macrophages, I mean, they're all part of our immune system that's really powerful. I tell people that the cellular response is like the right-handed response and the antibodies are left-handed. We're not even making the right antibodies. And sometimes we're making IgG, and it's class-switch immune-tolerance antibodies. Sometimes they're non-neutralizing antibody-dependent enhancement antibodies. I mean, it, you can't just uh, you can't just put a broad broad stroke. Say we're going to take this one broad approach, and that even and and you look and you unravel that broad approach, and you see all these problems with it. Just if, just with that alone, never mind not taking a more um, efficient uh, approach of let's let's let's. Like you asked me earlier, what should we do with these people that are sick? I don't just stay home for a week. All respiratory mm-hmm. viruses are are gone. I, I, when I worked in Anderson, a lot of my nurses would say hey i got a pink eye i say as long as nobody it's not going to jump on anybody as long as you don't touch your face and you wash your hands do it but i said well let me tell you what i think you should do i'm going to tell you stay home for a week the patients some of them are going to die and and the right thing is we don't need to think there's going to be a thing where they saw with your red eye and they don't know if they died because of that red eye of yours they just you know people don't understand it that's why i don't beat up on people about the mask too much um, that's why you know most of the time, tell people just stay home. You're sick, stay home. We know that mm-hmm. that's going to be effective. Sick people stay home. You know, for respiratory viruses. That's that's reasonable.
0: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty straightforward and simple. I agree. Um, so one one last question for you: Is there anything that I that I didn't ask you about, or that you think people re- really need to know um, with regards to vaccines or COVID or treatment? Um, that uh that you'd like to to talk about here before i let you go
1: well it's so wonderful to be here first of all thank you so much um because we're really do- all we're trying to do is educate that's our main thing and and we we do think um the people that our team like malone cole uh kat linley mm-hmm. lynn um there's a, a group that i'm with and we all are here to give you good information um this is not a financial windfall this is nothing zero all right Mm -hmm. So I want to just say, I want to thank you, John, for having me on the show. And I want to let people know that the vaccination, I wish it all worked well. Unfortunately, it's a genetic product that distributes widely in your body, produces lots of protein. A lot of the after effects are terrible for the immune system. I do not recommend this vaccine for anyone. And I recommend no lipid nanoparticle messenger RNA vaccines to anyone ever until they can get The pharmacokinetics distribution under control and proper studies done that it's safe long-term. And I don't say that because I don't want to like them. I just want to like good science, science that makes sense where the risk-reward is positive. The risk-reward, it's highly risky and the reward is minimal, if any. And in fact, it seems to be negative and weakening your immune system.
0: Well, thank you, Dr. Urso, for coming on the show. And honestly, it, it makes me feel hopeful for the future that there are doctors like you out there. Um, honestly, because if you look at the medical field and it, it seems like maybe my perception's off, but it, it seems like so many got behind this uh, this pharmaceutical um, push. And, may, and maybe they will still wake up and uh, and come around to this. Ho- hopefully they do. But
1: I'm you glad you're going, John. I don't want to cut you off, but I just want no, to say- sure we got to go straight to people. I can't trust the medical doctors. I love medicine, and I loved it when I was in medical school. I had a lot of great friends. They're scared. They're not willing to stand up. We got to go right to the people. That's why what you're doing is so important. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Urso. Oh, yeah, wait, one more thing. What, what is your Twitter handle? I didn't get your Twitter handle.
1: Uh, at Richard Erso, MD, and we have the globalcovidsummit.org website.
0: Uh, we didn't talk about the global COVID summit. Um, no,
1: we'll catch it. Sorry, right, next, next time,
0: maybe next time. Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you. Th- thank you, Doctor. Have a good night. Yes, sir. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Doctor Richard Erso. I said at the top that I, you know, we weren't going to hold back talking about specifics of uh, the COVID vaccination, of you know, issues with COVID nineteen, COVID policy, all that stuff. We didn't. We laid it out there. Um, some of the information that I heard from Dr. Urso, I haven't heard really anywhere else to this point, so I was really happy to bring that to you today. Probably a guy that I will have back on the show down the road. Really uh, had an enjoyable conversation um, getting to to, uh, to talk with him, and if you watched the video or if you are watching the video on Rumble or Odyssey, you'll see that he literally just came out of you know working. He's in a hospital just <laughs> Did the interview just in a uh, in a side room. So very, very appreciative for him taking the time um, to sit down and speak with me, but more especially to speak with all of you, to speak with the, uh, the Finding Freedom audience. I'm always grateful to our guests for doing so. And if you liked today's episode, you're going to love the two new t-shirt designs we have in the Lions of Liberty store, where you can find at lionsofliberty.com store we have a, a uh, t-shirt design that Brian created that um, said it's time to make myocarditis RO carditis get it R carditis myocarditis anyway I think it's a it's a witty shirt it's good and then you have my shirt that that I a, a quote pulled from one of my recent solo rants where I said that TV is just filler for pharmaceutical ads. And it really is, if you think about it. You think about cable news, all of this crap that's put on TV, the talking heads back and forth, and what is every single commercial break? Pharmaceutical ads. So go buy this shirt and tell people that you're not dumb by the shirt you're wearing. And they'll get it. They'll love it. They'll love you. And uh, it's good for everybody. So go check that out, lionsofliberty.store. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode hope you enjoyed this interview if you did let me know follow me on twitter um tag me whatever shoot me a dm at john odermatt and as always you can send me guest requests recommendations things of that nature things of that nature <laughs> either on twitter or you can email me john at lions of love hearing from you all with that being said hope everyone has a great week this week get out there have fun and enjoy your freedom, my friends. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire's liberty burn.